somebody with diabetes needs insulin well guess what and we when we when when we when Debbie and I passed this law it included everybody not just seniors and so what happened was we said okay you know how much it costs to make that insulin drug for diabetes cost it was invented by a man who did not patent it because he wanted it available for everyone I spoke to him okay and no change in the quality of it just changing the price. And they talk about inflation. You know, we're dealing with it for a whole second. Inflation is a worldwide problem right now because of a war in Iraq and the impact on oil and what Russia's doing. I mean, excuse me, the war in, in Ukraine. And uh, thinking of Iraq because that's where my son died. The, uh, because he died. The, uh, but the point is, the senator from Florida, Going after Medicare and Social Security? I tell you what, I don't know where, as they say in Southern, I don't know where y'all been. Hot damn, boy. I tell you, look. This election was not real, that it's being stolen, that all the, all the malarkey that's being put out there to undermine democracy. You can't just apologize and say the violence. It affects people's mentality. It affects how people think, particularly people who are not maybe as stable as other people. So the, the talk has to stop. That's the problem. That's the problem. You can't just say, I feel badly about the violence. We condemn it. Condemn what produces the violence. And this talk produces the violence. You want to improve people's lives? I bet some people in here want to improve people's lives. Are you with me? Okay. Come on, people. Let's wake up. We got the President of the United States in the house. Come on now. I know you got a little more energy than, than, than I hear. Okay. Thank you very much. That's the crowd I know. Those are the people I represent. Okay. Just wanted to make sure you were, were still here. And they talk about inflation. You know, we're dealing with it for a whole second. Inflation is a worldwide problem right now because of a war in Iraq and the impact on oil and what Russia's doing. I mean, excuse me, the war in, in Ukraine. And uh, thinking of Iraq because that's where my son died. The, uh, because he died. The, uh, but the point is... I'm Gladys Sicknick. I'm the mother of Brian Sicknick, the Capitol Police officer who died defending our country on January 6th. Carrie Lake is very dangerous for our country. She saw what happened on January 6th and continues to spread the big lie. And we're going to have more violence because people, they believe whatever she says. It's very dire for our democracy, for our country, with candidates like Carrie Lake. My son died because of people like Carrie Lake. 
It's a new ad put out by the Republican Accountability Project. It will air in the key battleground state of Arizona starting tomorrow, underscoring in this home stretch before next week's midterm election the dangerous consequences still today and tomorrow and the next day of the big lie and drawing a direct link between those false claims of voter fraud and what we're seeing now more and more, political violence. We're back with Michael Fanone and Congressman Eric Swalwell. Um, Michael, is that hard to watch? I know you, I know these are your... These are people we've come to admire and we follow their stories with these three your friends and colleagues. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I've gotten to know Mrs. Sicknick pretty well, and um, I thought that was a powerful ad. Um, I mean, she's out there, I think, trying to uh, do what all of us are trying to do here, which is bring accountability for January 6th. And, um, you know, I also support the fact that Carrie Lake's a piece of shit. So, um, I'm glad she did that ad. And no one is going to say that you haven't put it all out on the line in the bluntest terms possible. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 2nd of November, year of our Lord, 2022. A nice little intro there. I, I tell you what, this guy, um, he's just a gaffathon. It, it's it's pretty bad, and it's getting worse. Sorry, I was mis mixing a gigantic little program there because uh, I am going to do something I've been promising I wouldn't do. But I'm going to play a military jerk off or a military a media jerk off that's just super super bad. But um, I I don't I don't have a choice. I I must do it. it it's it, it just must be done. And, and if this guy got so many votes, why does Wasserman Schultz have to say, come on, get, it's the president, get up. And I, I tease the guy from supposedly a non-biased police officer from the Washington Police Department um, who is so non-biased and so straight up, you know, normal. Who said that on TV about somebody else? That's not threatening, though, because that's we're gonna have a. It's all about democracy, folks. We're talking about for de democracy. But before we get into a few things, I, I wanted to hit some very interesting stuff that um, you're not gonna see in the media. You're not gonna see right now because I forgot to put my slides in. We're gonna fix that. Most Ricky Tick. And before I play another soundbite coming out of the Commander-in-Chief that just fucking chaps my goddamn balls like you just wouldn't believe, just chaps it, we have people on the ground in Ukraine. As in boots on the ground. As in U.S. soldiers in Ukraine. The Pentagon officially confirmed today that U.S. troops are on the ground in Ukraine allegedly performing inspections of U.S. weapons caches. That's a fucking lie. And I will bet you my left testicle and my right testicle that we have SF in that area. I'm just saying. We got them. So I'm going to play two sound bites. First sound bite is going to be the President of the United States voting. And he just spent his time pandering to blacks, telling him that we got to fight this. You can't have voter ID. And he's going to show his voter ID. And then the sound bite I spoke about spoke about. I've lost a dozen friends or co-workers 
I had a soldier that I didn't know very well because I went to the platoon two weeks before he deployed. He died years later from a complication from a helicopter crash that happened in a combat zone, and it was never termed a battle death, but for some reason his son Bo still dying in Iraq, and it's fucking wrong. Hi. 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 How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you. Her first vote. Yeah. Oh, And they talk about inflation. You know, we're dealing with it for a whole second. Inflation is a worldwide problem right now because of a war in Iraq and the impact on oil and what Russia's doing. I mean, excuse me, the war in, in Ukraine. And uh, thinking of Iraq because that's where my son died. The, uh, because he died. It's wrong. It's as wrong as that political ad we're running right now that Sisnik died defending our capital. That's a fucking lie. Sisnik stroked the fuck out. It's sad. I feel bad for dude. But what the actual fuck? And to, and to close the loop on the president, because I know I'm jumping around like a cat on a freaking hot tin roof in a Chinese, uh, a Chinese church or some shit. I don't know what I mean. Maggie Haberman. Th this is how they cover it now. Biden verbally fumbles twice during campaign stop in Florida. He fumbles every fucking day. Every day this man fumbles. He is one big fucking fumble. And since we're going to talk a lot today about freedom of speech, what is this? Far-right YouTuber stages a lewd anti-Biden stunt in D.C. and somehow that's fucking bad. Do you know the things they said about Trump? Do they? I got a cat down here. I don't know why I do. I, I really sometimes wonder where the media is on things. And then they show anything to get a left, lefty elected. Any lefty clause, including fucking map. Minor attractive pur purpose. But the coup de grace was this this week. And this is serious shit. This is a whole article. I'm not even going to read it. Let's declare a pandemic amnesty. I, I was going to go on a long rant, bring a bunch of videos back, and bore the shit out of you. But instead, I'm going to use a, a Twitter person that uh, I think this is pretty fucking good. This sums up where your amnesty and your we can call peace on what you fucking people did to abridge the freedom of Americans under the guise of trying to get Trump unelected and ruin the economy. I'll let her do it. So, I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to forget what the government did and didn't do over the last number of years. I'm not going to forget what the police forces in countries all around the world did to their own citizens. The overreach and tyranny that they participated in because they were just following orders. I'm not going to forget any of that. I'm not going to forget children being ripped out of school, being taken away from their friends and shoved into online classes that were not helpful to them, that damaged them emotionally and psychologically, that they in some ways might never come back from. Kids are resilient, but I'm not sure how resilient. I'm not going to forget the fact that friends of mine, that loved ones of mine, lost their jobs 
and their businesses because they would not follow totalitarian crazy regulations and crazy mandates that didn't change anything, that didn't help anything. I'm not gonna forget the fact that because of government oversight, because governments are not tremendously good oftentimes at responding to emergencies, I didn't get to see my family for three years. I still haven't seen my family and I'm not the only one. I'm not gonna forget the fact that people couldn't see their loved ones as they were dying in hospital. They couldn't go to cemeteries, couldn't go to their funerals, couldn't say goodbye. I'm never gonna forget any of that. Because if the last number of years has taught us anything, it's that government a lot of the time has no idea what they're doing. And they act without consequence, without repercussion, and you, you are the one who loses out. But they don't care. They don't care and they never will. So I'm not gonna forget. And I hope that you weren't either. The things we saw during COVID were un unheard of. We never, ever, 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 ever dealt with what went on to the lengths of single canoers going to jail, kids having the police call because they wouldn't wear their masks. And I'm talking kindergarten, preschool, every major publication saying if you were rural like me, you were killing grandma because you were driving too far. Because we had to drive long distances to go get our kibbles and fucking bits. Closing churches, but strip clubs and weed shacks were still open. I mean, we all know it. And then the myriad of fucking lies. I'm a living proof of the lie. Get the vaccine. You won't spread it. You won't get infected. I got affected, gave it to my wife, and because of the vaccine and the infection, nine months later, I'm still pretty fucked up, even though I got a lot of energy. We'll talk about it later because I had a procedure done. But the point is, you just lied. Wear a fucking mask. You can't spread it if you wear a mask. If you don't wear a mask, you're a communist Nazi cocksucker who's killing grandma. I mean, do we need to even? No, we don't because we're not fucking stupid. So you can suck a bag of dicks and eat a fucking duffel bag of walrus assholes on your pandemic amnesty. You people were fascists. You're still fascists. We're about to go into the section that, you know, we're going to do the violence today, but the most important section is about to come. You're still fascist like a muffa. But you were so fascist during COVID, it's hard to comprehend how fascist you were. So I want to do one last thing. So before I lose it, I got two important sound bites that are going to go out today. One is this gentleman talking about military recruiting. Wokeness is weakness. And when, when we have the, the top leaders of the United States military that are, that are uh, uh, teaching critical race theory and pushing anti-Americanism on uh, young enlisted members of our military. How in the world are we gonna go out and recruit the next generation of young Americans to take the same oath that Morgan, Anna, and Laurel's dad, and many of you in the room have taken? How can we expect them to raise their right hand and take an oath of office knowing that, an oath, um, knowing that they might 
pay the ultimate sacrifice when at the same time we're telling them that America is evil, that America is racist, that America is not worth fighting for. It doesn't work. Wokeness is weakness. And once again, I have to say this as a guy who served 20 years. My God, I saw the East. I, I saw the Far East. I mean, I saw the Middle East. I saw Europe. I saw fucking Alaska. Which is like another country, even though it's one of our states. We we have it so good. But why would you go put your why would you die for a country that's garbage? And our officer corps, the whole Department of Defense, every institution, because they wanted to get promoted, embrace the lefty fucking identity politics, America's garbage. So why the fuck would you serve? Why? Why would you sign up for it? I, it's so good. So the thing that's in my, the, the, the main subject, if you walk away from anything this stupid fucking dude in a ba- basement says, it's this section that got the A-C-L-U to fucking chime in in regards to how bad it was is the fact that our government, the elected officials, were bridging the freedom of speech. The ACLU, the First Amendment, bans the government from deciding for us what is true or false online or anywhere. Our government can't use private pressure to get around a constitutional right. That was brought to you by the fact that our government, as the Intercept has shown and leaked documents have shown, we're getting around that, including FBI fucking agents. They had portals for government disinformation requests for Facebook. The FBI was asking for them to shut shit down. And they were doing it on the behest of the DHS. This is an actual text thread that The Intercept, a lefty organization, found. The emails and documents show close collaboration with DHS and private sector Twitter Vanjay Gade, who got fired, met monthly with DHS to discuss censorship plans. Microsoft exec texted DHS platforms have got to get comfortable with the government. Was on the call. The coordination is greatly appreciated. Was disappointed that platform, including us, didn't offer more. We'll get there. And sector sector leadership had zero questions. We'll get there. And the kind of leadership really helps platforms have got to get more comfortable with the government. It's really interesting how hesitant they remain. Working with the government. So when we saw Mary motherfucking Poppins run her cock trap. They were still doing it. It just doesn't have a name. And the gatekeepers who are still shitting their pants can only say, Aaron Rupar, cry more. It's not important. 
And then when Fang, the reporter that does it, Lee Fang on Tucker. How can he be on Tucker? Well, because he's a reporter. And he's reporting on a very important case where you use third-party non-profits to skirt around the Constitution. Now, I want you to realize and, and understand, and I know you do, so I don't want to be all preachy like most podcast people are. These are the motherfuckers that say if you question 2020, if you question the efficiency of vaccines, of masks, of social distancing, if you question that fucking Biden got 81 million votes, you're a Nazi seditionist insurrectionist and need your rights taken away. You're shitting on the sanctity of election, thus the Constitution, and you're a garbage human. But a party that owns the entire airwaves, all social media, who are already censoring, I mean, those that have been with this show, like Matt in Oregon, I played the Google meeting after 2016. They said they were going to do it. And I'm from the I'm from Missouri. Well, I'm not, but I'm from Missouri with, you know, show me. And they showed. They knew they could push the electorate nine points. So they were going to back all the left shit, and they're going to suppress shit. And to this day, you can't Google shit without it pushing CNN, WAPO, New York Times, and lefty agenda. You can have them dead to rights. And they're not going to release that because they've been censoring. Twitter was censoring. Fucking, when Trump did his speech and told people to fucking protest peacefully and a riot started before he even fucking finished, before sundown, every goddamn social media banned him in a coordinating effort on behalf of the fucking goddamn left. Because the DHS was liberal. Once again, you can't say, oh, that's a co- it happened under the Trump amendment. No, it didn't. Since Obama took over and he couldn't do all the crazy lefty shit he wanted, he just woke fight every institution, and you can't go in and fire all those motherfuckers. The government would fall the fuck apart. It needs to happen. We need to clean every motherfucking cocksucker up there out and get him back to working for the American people and the American ideals of freedom of speech and expression. And then I could stand on a street corner and I could say, Falky's a cocksucker, and he lied. He financed the reason why they were testing this goddamn COVID, and it got released. And he also killed puppies. That's all true. So every time they were censoring, my mom... Shadow ban me because they thought I was somebody important and realized I wasn't and they let me go. It was at the behest of the federal government. And they're still doing it. So when we go back to we fortified the election with the cabal of people who save democracy, and then now we see every media, every social media talking about misinformation, disinformation, saving democracy. We understand why they're all synced. And I and I, I, I cannot hammer the point enough. These are the people that already own everything. 
But they know their policies and everything they're saying. Nobody wants it. A very small percentage believe there's 99 pronouns and a bitch ain't one. Very few people want open borders. Very few people believe that we need to silence everybody in this country. Very few people believe that democracy is really in peril and inflation doesn't exist. Very few people believe the shit that this babbling brain-dead fuck says all the time are important. Nobody believes it's Jim Eagle. Nobody believes it's Bull Connor. Nobody believes it's any of the shit he fucking says. The same motherfucker who stood on the red speech and said everybody who doesn't agree with me is a goddamn anarchist. That same guy who said it was fiery but mostly peaceful and that Antifa was just a fucking idea. Two billion dollars, 600 injured LE, 36 dead people. Okay, it's just an idea. It wasn't enough. They wanted to censor so bad so they could win the next election because they realized ultra, super, duper, pooper, scooper, mega wasn't a good talking point. Trump ain't on the ballot. Nobody believed January 6th was a big deal. You've already arrested half the fucking country and put them in lockup. Nobody's gone to jail for fucking Antifa shit. It wasn't enough. They still had to silence you. They have all the propaganda at their hand. They have it every day on every network. So much so when we get to our Pelosi, they're literally saying, just like they did with Palin, just like they did with every person who ever had a gun in their fucking hand and was seen with it, instantly linking. Where do you think those talking points are coming from? Well, DHS, Twitter, fucking Google, Microsoft, Apple, Facebook, Instagram. They're all talking. They're all on the back channel. Just And they're in Slack, baby. Instant. Pelosi's husband got a hammer to the head. It's Donald Trump's fault. Anybody who believes the election is bullshit, that's their fault too. Because some guy walked around the Capitol going, Nancy. Oh, it's the same thing. And I think it's a great just position before we move into our election segment. This is okay on social media. No woman, no cry. This message is to all our would-be accomplices and white allies. This message is to all the white people who have BLM in their bio. If you really want to prove to black people that you love us and you care about us and you are down for the cause, do not go see that movie opening weekend. You buy your ticket, you give it to a black person or a black family who can't afford to go. And then you go sit at that theater in front of the doors. You make sure that every black person in that theater can enjoy that movie in peace. You make sure that you use your body to block us from anybody who would be coming in that theater to do us harm. That is your job. You can go see it on another weekend, go see it on the second or third weekend, but the first weekend, that's for us. To do anything other than this is anti-black. You thought I was gonna do something violent. Oh, I got it coming. But that's okay. 
You can be a racist as a motherfucker. Supreme Court's seen a case right now where we actually can notice that in unequivocally, as we all have already known, that the fucking federal government is racist as shit, and so is most of the colleges, and they're letting African-American kids get in, but Asian kids get fucked in the ass, yet they have the highest scores of anybody. That kind of racism is okay. That's great. These next two sound bites. Every fucking poll in your lifetime has been swayed liberal. They always say liberals vote more. And ever since we got into the Obama, the collection of the aggrieved are going to run all elections, and you white motherfuckers are going nowhere, which is replacement theory, but if you say replacement theory, you're a fucking racist, only they can say it. They have run polls so biased that you believe in Wisconsin, Trump's going to lose by 20 points, but he wins. But this... Racist piece of shit, Joy Reid, who was supposed to get fired, by the way. She says that the right's going around with fake polls, and some actress I never heard on goes on a hate screen at an official rally where the president's at, and this is all okie-dokie. Here in the United States, we're a little over a week away from our own midterm elections. And if you believe the recent headlines, you would think that MAGA fascism is ascendant. If you get past those headlines and dig a little deeper, you uncover an insidious and seemingly intentional campaign by Republican-backed polling firms to flood the zone and tip the balance of polling averages in favor of their candidates to create a narrative that Republicans are surging and that a red wave is imminent and inevitable. Our friend and Democratic pollster Simon Rosenberg has been sounding the alarm for weeks about this wave of polling, noting that if the roughly 40 of the roughly 40 polls taken in key battleground states, more than half, half are from Republican firms or groups. Over the weekend, the New York Times released four new polls in key battleground states, which showed Democrats either in the lead or tied with their opponent. So why are their polls telling a different story? According to Nate Cohn of the New York Times, most of the polling over the last few weeks is coming from partisan outfits, usually Republican or auto-dial firms. These polls are cheap enough to flood the zone. And it shouldn't come as a total surprise, given that one of those polling aggregators, Real Clear Politics, has become more openly pro-Trump. Back in 2020, the New York Times noted that Real Clear Politics has taken a rightward, aggressively pro-Trump turn. It also pointed out that their polling averages seemed Marco Rubio is a liar. He is, y'all see that debate? Lied his ass off. Val Demings will win. She will win. She will win. So I say to Marco and all those other weak men, (laughs) before you lie to us, remember Rosa sat on that bus. Before you tell 
before you cheat and steal, I dare you to Google Emmett Till. Yeah, okay, Joy. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, we'll go with that. That makes sense. It makes a lot of fucking sense. CNN pins economic woes on the feds. It's not Biden's fault. Biden doesn't do anything wrong. But to go back to her polls, factoid. Stacey Abrams nor Beto O'Rourke has ever led a poll in this entire race combined they have raised and will spend a hundred and fifty million dollars this year and they've never led in any poll not righty polls not the ones the right's making up joy reed says that survey says this is how the media has played this. John Fetterman, ABC, three positive, NBC, negative, uh, the negatives, positive 19, negative 81. Joe Biden, 2, 7, 22, 7, 8. All Democrat, 13, 26, 33. You go down to Republican, 94 negatives, 87% of the time they speak about a conservative, it's negative. Want other polls that are fucking bullshit, Joy Reid? How about this one? 7 to 10 Republican voters believe a strong economy is a bigger concern than a functioning democracy. What is a functioning democracy? I think a functioning democracy is when you can go out and fucking vote. When you're allowed to vote. Nobody stops you from voting. When Jim Eagle in Georgia lets you fucking vote at a higher rate than ever before, that's okay. But here's the arrest of the shit that the election, listen to how, they just are stenographers for the Democratic Party. In the closing days of the campaign, Joe Biden has been forced to address new and unverified claims that he was involved in his son Hunter's foreign business dealings. The president's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, says he came into possession of emails allegedly belonging to Hunter Biden and turned them over to the tabloid New York Post. Smoking gun emails. Mr. Trump and his allies have called for an investigation, but the FBI would neither confirm nor deny to 60 Minutes that one was taking place. Do you believe the recent leak of material allegedly from Hunter's computer is part of a Russian disinformation campaign? From what I've read and know, the intelligence community warned the president that Giuliani was being fed disinformation from the Russians. And we also know that Putin is trying very hard to spread disinformation about Joe Biden. And so when you put the combination of Russia, Giuliani, the president together, um, it's just what it is. It's a smear campaign because he has nothing he wants to talk about. What is he running on? What is... Uh Are you at all concerned, though, that maybe concern over inflation sweeps in a whole bunch of Republicans that define the party as a bunch of election denialists? Carrie Lake in Arizona being exhibit at? 
Well, look, again, when those folks come in, if Washington finally starts doing, after decades of inaction, finally starts doing what they should be doing and saying, okay, what are our top priority issues? Let's go after the biggest things, most critical things first, knock those things off. And, and that, that, there's a whole list there, right? It's everything right. from inflation, it's immigration reform, it's securing the border, it's health care reform, all of these things that neither party has really taken on in the past six years like they should have, um, and really putting those first. And it doesn't mean you ignore you know, what, what happened on January 6th. You actually have to come to some sort of conclusion. I, I can tell you, just as a voter, as a guy in New Hampshire, I can't tell you what the results of the January 6th he uh, 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 hearings are yet. I, I would like to know. I right. think everybody would like to know what changes are being made. What, are we, what else are we finding out that isn't just political, but that can help secure those individuals? Because as we elect these folks, to your original point you, you opened up with, they have to know they can go down there and cast a vote in a secure and safe manner and right. not be influenced by violence or threats or anything like that. So that is all part of the mix. And you, the only way you're going to get there. To begin, we'll look ahead to the midterm elections. This past summer, it was looking like the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade might offer an opportunity to the party in power, the Democrats. But a more recent issue, inflation, could very well rule the day and favor Republicans. And beneath it all, says our Robert Costa, lies what could be the most critical issue of all, the very future of our democracy. Hundreds of candidates for state and national office have denied the legitimacy of the 2020 presidential election. And while crime and inflation dominate the headlines, many are sounding the alarm about what else is at stake in 2022. Democracy doesn't usually die through coups or, 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 or invasion. It usually dies from within. The Republican Party is gripped by people who are election deniers. How should the press contend with that? It's happening inside one particular party. Right. And we need to be very straightforward about saying that and pointing it out. Of course, we're going to hold both parties to the same standards. It's not that we're on one team. We hold both parties to the same standards. But when one party is the one who's doing this very troubling thing, we need to be straightforward about that. And if it causes criticism from the right, that's okay. Margaret Sullivan is the former public editor of the New York Times and was the media critic at the Washington Post. She has a new book, Newsroom Confidential, in which she says the press has been reluctant to forcefully call out attacks on democracy for fear of being labeled partisan. How does the press cover it without sounding alarmist at every step? I don't think we're nearly alarmist enough. I think we need to stop being asleep at the switch and sound the alarm more about what could happen if election denialists are, you know, in power and decide, oh, well, we only like the results of this election, but not that one. I mean, we no longer have... I watched that Meet the Press and it was just astounding how fucking biased that show has become. You know, if you go back to the old days, I used to do the MTP Roundup. And I would cover that and this week, and it was my Sunday shows. Nothing on that show could be say it wasn't biased. But they still use the DHS to suppress. And 
I, I hate to play a 14-minute and 38-second bumper, but I'm going to because this was instantaneous. Pelosi attacks shocks country on edge about democracy's threat. What what the fuck does that mean, Associated Press? What is so threatened by democracy? 2000, 2004, 2000 fucking, uh, 12, 2016, 2018, 2020, where Pelosi wouldn't seat fucking conservatives that won, and coming to a theater near you, 2022, where the left is going to question the efficiency, the sanctity of all the losses they get. 2024, when they get their dick handed to them, while they're wearing a dress, the left is going to question the election of fucking the next president. They're going to question every fucking election we ever have. They question the voting machines. They question suppression, whatever the fuck that means. The country wasn't shocked by Paul Pelosi having a break-in by a liberal. But instantaneously, and now we know why, because they're using the DHS, every little leverage synced together, and everybody said the same fucking thing. The media said it, Twitter said it, Facebook said it, all the politicians said it, and this cunt bag is going to blame this guy because he showed his Second Amendment rights, and then he turned and said, let's vote these motherfuckers out, and somehow that he is responsible, the right's responsible Fucking, they pulled shit back for advertisements back in the 90s on getting rid of fucking Nancy Pelosi. It's their fault, a crazy motherfucker who is literally shown to think he's fucking Jesus is a Republican's fault for some motherfucker in his underwear getting his head in his head. Never mind the fact that the glass broke out. Never mind that there was a third person there, and it's been proven there's a third person, and now they're covering up. Never mind that she has more security than you and I can ever have, more cameras than you and I can ever have, has a detachment of the motherfucking police from Washington, D.C. there that supposedly weren't there. This all sounds like January 6th. Doors just opened, it was an insurrection, and we're going to have a story. And now the story's in press because they needed something at the last minute to show democracy in threat because the Republicans are saying get rid of Nancy Pelosi. They really mean kill her and while people are doing it. Never mind that we had motherfuckers trying to kill the fucking Supreme Court justice and cocksuckers are still outside Supreme Court justice houses against the law protesting right now. Never mind that Scalise got shot at a baseball field. Never mind Zeldin almost got stabbed by a crazy motherfucker. Never mind that more fucking threats have happened. Never mind that people got beat down at Trump fucking rallies. Never mind that we had a summer of fucking carnage where two billions of damage, people got murdered, and they financed it. Never mind you were called a fucking goddamn racist insurrectionist if you said, who the fuck is paying for the buses carting these motherfuckers to fucking Kenosha to burn a city down? Never mind that that whole cabal showed up in D.C. during the RNC's goddamn convention and almost murdered fucking goddamn Rand Paul. Oh, let's talk about Rand Paul. His neighbor fucking broke his ribs and detached three of them, punctured a lung, and we have people tweeting that I wish I was Rand Paul's neighbor. We all feel like Rand Paul's neighbor. I wish Rand Paul's neighbor would have finished the fucking job. Never mind all that, folks. No. 
It's the Republican and this poor bastard who was stupid enough to go on CPS to talk to this goddamn liberal cunt. And she blames him and the other 14 minutes of coordinated DHS. It's time to have an agenda. And our media jerk off. I'm a Republican. The media jerk off of the week. So hot. I want to ask you about this when it comes to political violence. On your Twitter feed, you posted this video we're going to show just a few days ago where you're firing a gun and it says, enjoyed exercising my Second Amendment rights. Hashtag fire Pelosi. Why is there a gun in a political ad at all? It wasn't an ad. Hashtag I was, I was or a tweeting tweet. Out, I was tweeting out Hashtag something that I had just done. Hashtag fire Pelosi with a weapon. Well, now wouldn't you're, a pink slip be more fitting if it's about firing her? It's interesting, Margaret. Why a gun? It's interesting, Margaret, that we're talking about this this morning. When a couple of years back, when a Bernie Sanders supporter shot Steve Scalise, which was horrendous when a Bernie and Sanders horrific, which is why we Steve should Scalise, be not. I never heard you weapons. or anyone else in the media trying to blame Democrats for what happened. We need to stay we focused on what we're all doing. We did extensive coverage of what happened to Ex- Steve Scalise. There's extensive Nobody news coverage, tried sir. to equate Democrats' rhetoric. People that I'm not say, talking about your rhetoric. I'm talking about what you posted. You're shooting same. a gun. Our viewers just saw it. Yeah, right. Hashtag fire Pelosi. Exercising our Second Amendment rights, having That's fun That's not a debate about the Second Amendment. Yep. That's not a debate about the Second Amendment. Hashtag yes, fire Pelosi. Yes, it is. I, I'm, Do you I'm not running understand that that is suggestive to people who are in a bad state and in this current environment, how risky it is? As you're talking well, I, about the importance of lowering the rhetoric. I disagree with Why you. Why do you leave that up? Again, I never saw anyone after Steve Scalise was shot by a I'm Bernie Sanders right supporter now, trying to equate, equate Democrat now. rhetoric with those actions. Paul Pelosi, the husband of the Speaker of the House, the woman who was second in line to the presidency, was savagely attacked on Friday. And while surgeons were operating on the fractured skull of the 82-year-old grandfather, Deranged right-wing fanatics, Trump media allies, and some of the most powerful people in the world were feverishly trying to stir up conspiracy theories that distracted from the central political headline of this story. That years of Republican propaganda and Trump-fueled fascism led 42-year-old David DePap to break into Nancy Pelosi's San Francisco home, seemingly with the intent to harm her. connection? What connection? I don't see a connection. Why would there be a connection? I mean, he was just deranged, right? In an isolated way. And by the way, voters, look over here. Crime is up. Look away from the parallels to January 6th. So first, Mika, I I thought your opening uh, montage was superb, Uh, bringing together uh, footage reminding us of the kinds of things Donald Trump said at campaign rallies, bringing together all the evidence uh, that, that these are not isolated in- incidents. They're part, of, part of, a, a, of, a, of a pattern. Something I've been saying really since 2016, uh, I, I remember in the spring of that year as Donald Trump was beginning his campaign visiting Germany uh, and saying and writing in one of my columns, 
bad things happen to good countries. Yeah. And that's the story of modern Germany. Germany, the birthplace of science, philosophy, uh, music, the arts, uh, was a country that was taken apart by uncontrolled, radical, uh, extremist, anti-Semitic politicians. Uh, Adolf Hitler is the... When you look at Republicans running on crime, the most deadly places to live in America, the places where gun crime is the worst, where you have the greatest risk of dying, are all states run by Republicans. So I just need to understand how we communicate that in the two weeks left to go before the midterms. Listen, the crime argument is the other big lie. Um, and, you know, let, let's talk about Evalde. Those, those families have been heroic because they lost what they love. You can look at a state like Texas and every legislative decision they've made the past bunch of years to weaken gun safety laws and draw a straight line from that to DNA kits going home with parents. It is because of them. They did it. It is the reason Texas is a deadly state. And so I'll just say this. Um, you know, just the 15, 20 minutes ago on your show, you were showing some of those showing up at polls with guns because they, 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 they misinterpret what their right is and they use the guns to intimidate. You also talked about, um, you know, where we are as a country uh, with Eddie just before, who's always brilliant. Here's where I'm at, Nicole. 30 something percent of this country Authorities determined that DePoppy was living in a garage of a residence near Berkeley. Also, per an ICE source, DePoppy is in the U.S. illegally as a longtime visa overstay. Tonight, federal authorities detailing a shocking, politically motivated hammer attack on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul, that fractured his skull. According to the affidavit, 42-year-old David DePapp telling police that he was going to hold Nancy hostage and talk to her. And if she lied... He was going to break her kneecaps. DePap allegedly describing the speaker as the, quote, leader of the pack of what he said were lies told by the Democratic Party. DePap also later explained that by breaking Nancy's kneecaps, she would then have to be wheeled into Congress, which would show other members of Congress there were consequences to actions. DePap now facing federal charges of assault on an immediate family member of a federal official and attempted kidnapping of a federal official. And late today in San Francisco, authorities here announcing additional charges. There was stepped up security outside the homes of congressional leaders this weekend, and the U.S. Capitol Police are considering enhanced measures going forward. Critics say campaign messages like this one targeting Pelosi sent a violent message. On Face the Nation, Margaret Brennan pressed Republican Congressman Tom Emmer. Why is there a gun? in a political ad at all. It wasn't an ad. Hashtag I was, I was or a tweet. Out, I was tweeting out Hashtag something that I had just done. Hashtag fire Pelosi with a weapon. Well, now Wouldn't you're... a pink slip be more fitting if it's about firing her? Meanwhile, California Governor Gavin Newsom singled out a commentator on Fox News. I don't think anyone's been dehumanized. And while no specific motive has been identified, the circumstances are eerily similar to the January 6th attack, some bringing zip ties into the Capitol, attempting to find officials and take them hostage. Oh, Nancy! Nancy! Pelosi, one of the targets that day and Friday, 
the suspect searching for the House Speaker, who was not home in California. Can you help put this terrible attack in perspective for us? It's part of a bigger picture. This is an incredibly toxic moment that has been building for years and only getting worse. And this morning, FBI and Homeland Security officials are out with a new bulletin as we head down the stretch to the midterms. The bulletin says right now there's a heightened threat from radicalized individuals who may target voters, candidates, and election workers leading up to the midterms. This potential threat is largely largely being fueled by hot-button issues that divide the nation and the lie that there has been widespread election fraud. And we all know that the election lie was stoked in the 2020 presidential campaign and on January 6th. The focus now turning to the suspect's digital footprint, a personal blog published for his name brimming with far-right extremism, conspiracy theories like QAnon and anti-Semitic postings. Democrats, including President Biden, sounding the alarm. You can't condemn the violence unless you condemn those people who continue to argue. And Charlie, I just want to also shout out, you know, your piece, What the Hell is Wrong with These People, uh, your morning shot on thebulwark.com. And I haven't even raised the subject of some of these political ads where people are pulling out shotguns. You know, candidates, the, the Republican head of the Republican campaign, Congressional Campaign Committee, in his re-election ad, pulling out guns and... and you know, validating and exploiting violence in their ads against their opponents. What what is uh, the fetishization of of violence? And 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 you do have the you know the the congressman who who uh, you know will have uh, you know a picture of himself firing a gun saying fire Nancy Pelosi. Um, that has that has consequences. Uh, the number of candidates who have bedecked their Christmas cards with with AR-15s, uh, but also just the in increasing celebration of people like Kyle Rittenhouse. I mean, how did Kyle Rittenhouse become a hero? among Republicans and on the right. I mean, he shot and killed two people. He shot another person. Um, and yet there is this, this sense uh, that, uh, that, that somehow uh, he was heroic. Uh, the retrofitting of the assault on January 6th into a patriot uprising. And you heard that rhetoric from the man who uh, tried to assassinate uh, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, the, all of these ideas have real consequences. And, it, you know, it, it, it doesn't take a lot of disturbed individuals to act on all of this, which is one of the reasons why there's always been an assumption that there would be some sort of restraint and responsibility in the use of rhetoric, because you know there might be a disturbed individual who will take it too far after you've demonized, dehumanized um, the other side, that they might act on it. And what that shows us now is a lot about the current political climate. You know, Dan Rather, the legendary journalist, has a metaphor that I love. He says, climate change did not create hurricanes, but it made them much worse. And it's the same with political violence. Political violence has always existed on all sides of the political spectrum, but today's political climate is making it much worse, and it is a uniquely right-wing problem right now. We cannot both sides this, given what we've seen in the last few years. Enter Max Boot. You wrote a piece for The Washington Post about this yesterday, um, about how uh, it's not both sides, actually. The, the lion's share of this is right-wing political violence and rhetoric. Absolutely. I mean, you saw that Threats against members of Congress increased something like tenfold after Donald Trump was elected in 2016. He and his followers still engage in violent extremist rhetoric. Remember that uh, Trump has been calling Speaker Pelosi crazy Nancy for years. Remember that this 
attacker in San Francisco was asking, where's Nancy, which is pretty much the same thing that the mob was asking on January 6th when they invaded the Capitol. This is a sickness, but it's not divorced. With the midterm elections a week away and threats against officials escalating, the DA called on everyone to tone down the rhetoric. Many Republicans have condemned the attack on Paul Pelosi, but some others have made light of it, including Carrie Lake, who is in a tight race for governor in Arizona. She brought the assault up when replying to a question about safety in schools. Listen. It is not impossible to protect our kids at school. They act like it is. Nancy Pelosi, well, she's got protection when she's in D.C. Apparently her house doesn't have a lot of protection. <laughs> but It's a laughter from the crowd that also really gets you. We've got Mike Pence, uh, we've got Ben Sass, other Republicans condemning the attack. Uh, she's taking a different route. What do those comments say about our current political climate? She is taking a different route. Think back to 2010, that year of a Republican wave, the Tea Party movement. Republicans that year ran on a fire Pelosi campaign. She was then a target politically of scorn and ridicule. Her Republican critics cast her as a San Francisco elitist. And really, for more than a decade now, that approach to Pelosi has continued. And even at this traumatic moment for her and her family, the laughter at that event is not that surprising. And the fact that it's not that surprising is revealing of our deeply partisan, deeply divided political moment. And new details are coming to light this morning on his social media posts focused on far-right extremism, leading to a string of new online conspiracy theories. Online conspiracy theories have... Um, um, you know, it, it feels ridiculous. It feels like people don't believe it. it feels, but it, it really feels like the campaign against you has been particularly personal. <laughs> it's been particularly vile. Part of standing for office is you know people are going to attack you. Mm -hmm. You can either internalize the attacks or you can use it as fuel to remind you of why you're doing this every single day. And these are real people with real lives. And yeah, if Brian Kemp wants to say vile things about me, my daddy's watching and I'm gonna tell. <laughs> it, is, it is gonna be a hotly contested race. You oh, know, yes. uh, there, there, there are gonna be stories coming out about poll stations that closed when they shouldn't have and people who were kicked out of lines and purging, et cetera, et cetera. What it creates is uh, a really paradoxical world where, on the one hand, you want to call out, you know, election processes that aren't fair and make it as easy as possible for people to vote. On the other hand, people will be quick to turn that on you and say, oh, but if Trump doesn't accept the election, then he's bad, but you also don't accept the election, so you're bad. How do you navigate that and how do you speak to the issues around voting in Georgia without making it seem like you don't accept the democratic process? You've actually done a great job of this, but some of your colleagues have been very easily duped into conflation. There is one thing to be used to winning everything you want and being told no and whining about it inciting insurrection. That's what Brian, that's what Donald Trump did. Donald Trump denied the outcome of an election. I know I'm not governor. I haven't been governor for four whole years. I've been very clear about that. That's how I got to go on Star Trek. Um, <laughs> but what I have always fought for, and, and it's, I mean, you can go back. I was on the March on Washington when I was 19. So this is, I've got a pretty clear track record on this. Voting rights, voting access is about who gets to show up. Election outcomes, that's up to the voters. But access is the responsibility of government. And Brian Kemp's greatest hits. You know, you wouldn't have people wearing tinfoil hats if they didn't see shit like this. Right-wing mothers fueling a school board war. With the DHS, so they were bad. Politico published 11 articles on Nancy Pelosi's break-in. Like it was the, the end. Uh, 
We even had, he had zip ties, and he called out for Nancy. Oh, Kavanaugh's guy had it. Politico didn't even want to cover it. Ex-girlfriend, a suspect in Paul Pelosi tax says he struggled with mental illness, used drugs, and thought he was motherfucking Jesus. Never mind that D.C. is going to rewrite the rules once again so nobody's going to jail again. Never mind that it was a big fucking deal that people were talking about the third person. You're spreading disinformation or misinformation. Meet the press fucking did it. Politico, this very week before this happened, the real reason Washington ignored Kavanaugh's would-be killer is because he's a fucking conservative. Uh, Are you sure? I could have guessed that. Here is the point-blank poster fucking child for motherfucking TDS. Um, Congressman, just to your point, the man who perpetrated this attack, who allegedly did, and he confessed in this affidavit yesterday, said he was comparing himself to the founding fathers fighting tyranny, believes he's part of some larger struggle. And as to the conspiracy theories, we want to say again, to get the right information out, the police chief of San Francisco said there's absolutely no evidence Mr. Pelosi knew this man. As a matter of fact, the evidence indicates the exact opposite. That's a quote from the police chief. The larger question here is, why are you the only one? Why is Liz Cheney the only one in moments like this who has the guts to speak out? And by the way, I can't believe we're calling it guts to condemn the hammer attack of an 82-year-old man and the attempted assassination, perhaps, if she were home, of Speaker Pelosi. Why is it so hard? It's, we're not even talking about election conspiracies or vaccine conspiracies. This is speaking out against the attempted murder of an elderly man. Why is it so hard for Republicans to do that? Because we're close to an election and, you know, the new view on the extreme is you don't ever admit defeat, you never back off. Uh, you know, when Elon deleted his tweet, which was an insane tweet, you know, everybody's like, oh, you're back, you're acquiescing to the left-wing mob. I want to make it clear too, by the way, Liz and I are not, are not courageous there's no strength in this we're just surrounded by cowards and then complete contrast to cowardism it looks like courage when it's just your bare duty let me say this though on the attacker so some of what you'll see on the on the kind of conspiracy right is that well look back in 2013 he was a nudist or something or he was a bernie or whatever it was it was something on the left what that proves to me is how quickly people have been radicalized mm-hmm. into this QAnon thing. Everybody has a friend that used to be a somebody on the left or in the center or reasonable that within a period of a month or two was reading the Internet and is now radicalized. That is That goes to show me the huge issue that we have here. Yeah. You're not courageous. You're not brave. You both found an out and you decided to go with it because you fucking hated Trump because he turned the party into a normal party, as in normals. He was doing things people, normal people wanted. And to prove my point and why I don't claim myself to be a Republican, the only person I could find that actually fought back was Tom Cotton.
According to the authorities, uh, the perpetrator was looking for her to potentially break her kneecaps, wheel her into Congress as an example of consequences. What's your reaction to all that? A terrible crime against Paul Pelosi. I wish him the very best and a full recovery, and we should throw the book at the assailant. We should do the same thing to the person who tried to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh. The same thing to all the agitators who are protesting in violation of federal law outside of justices' homes. And for that matter, not just speakers of the House or Supreme Court justices, any common criminal. Senator, for the moment, I want to separate out uh, everyday violent crime and what seems to be politically motivated crime and, and get your thoughts on whether the temperature in the country is just too high, uh, the misinformation is just too much, and that we're going to see more, not less, political violence going forward. That's the concern. People in your own party have voiced that concern. Well, you seem to range lunatics attack both Democrats and Republicans alike. Uh, I don't think John Boehner, 12 years ago, pointing out that Nancy Pelosi passed Obamacare, or Kevin McCarthy now pointing out that she passed trillions of dollars of spending that causes inflation, led to this, you know, apparent nudist activist breaking into her home. The simplest way to stop crimes like this is to get tough on crime. It's not to try to stop campaigning in the middle of a campaign seven days before an election on legitimate issues of public concern. Absolutely. People should continue to campaign on legitimate issues of public concern. No, uh, no debate there. But uh, to be clear, from your answer, here, I'm here. You don't see any connection between things said in this country, in particular by people denying the results of the 2020 election uh, and the motivations of, as you call it, this madman. No more connection than Chuck Schumer going to the steps of the Supreme Court and saying that Brett Kavanaugh wouldn't know what hit him if he issued rulings that Chuck Schumer disagreed with. And what did you have? A left-wing hitman showing up at Brett Kavanaugh's house to assassinate him. Checkmate, motherfuckers. This is on Twitter and it's allowed. I hope y'all get cancer and die. Who's the evil one? They're calling it a cesspool. The media fear losing the gatekeeping right. Washington Post lists ways to get around it. Because remember, that used to be what they told us. Make your own Twitter, motherfucker. Conservative Twitter accounts get thousands of new followers. Musk says now they're digging in the details. There is so much bullshit that was going on. It's not even funny. They hid shit from courts. It was crooked all along. I got more followers and I'm a nobody. But yeah, it's the right that's violent. I mean, let's not even think about what they're doing to kids and that if you fight back against it, you're an insurrectionist because this this podcast... Trans abuse, mother fuck me. Hey, Blue, look at all these families. Hi, families. It's time for a pride parade. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. This family has two mommies. They love each other so proudly. And they all go marching in the big... So Thank one you. of the reasons parents put up with this is anyone who says anything is instantly punished. Travis Allen learned that the hard way. He was a girls' soccer coach at Randolph Union Middle School in Vermont. He was just suspended from his job without pay because he complained about a male student looming around the girls' locker room. Then the school, because this is North Korea at this point, punished Travis Allen's daughter, Blake Allen, for speaking about it too. Blake Allen was on the volleyball team. 
Blake Allen and Travis Allen join us tonight. We're going to talk to their lawyer in just a moment. Um, thank you both so much for coming on. Travis, first to you. Did I misstate what happened? You complained about a man in the women's locker room and you were punished? Correct. I made a media post, or sorry, a social media post that referred to the male student as a male and I was punished because I misgendered him. You lost your job or you're suspended without pay from your job? Correct, as the soccer coach. So you were the creep in this. I, I have to ask, did other employees at the school take you aside and say we're on your side? Did anyone protest your suspension? Uh, none of the other employees did. Uh, other community members have supported me, though, privately. It's, it's beyond belief. But, uh, thank you for complaining, by the way, at, at very least. <laughs> Blake Allen, what did you do wrong in the eyes of the school, and how were you punished? I was in the locker room, and the trans student walked in, and, and there was um, the rest of the team was in there, and we were. I was really uncomfortable, and I left, and I told the school, and they just shut me down and said there was nothing they could do, and I was later suspended because I voiced my opinion that a male shouldn't be in the women's locker room, and then when we filed the lawsuit, they dropped the suspension. How how, how old are you? How old were you when this happened? I'm 14. I'm a freshman. You're 14 years old. And when you complained about a dude in the girls' locker room, you got suspended? Yes. Who says, can you tell us the name of the person who made that decision? Uh, Lane Millington. Yeah. And how, was, how did this adult communicate your suspension to you? What, what, what did you do wrong in the, in the view of this adult? Um, I think they were mad that I was telling people how I thought it was wrong and that a male shouldn't be allowed to be with us in the locker room. You're 14 years old. Um, what, tell us what your classmates thought. Were they on your side? Uh, yeah, a lot of my classmates were supportive. I think most people in the school are. They're just too scared to speak up because they see all the backlash I'm getting for it. Well, you're very brave and your dad is Because not only was brave. I suspended, Thank, Thank you. you. Um, I'm supposed to do, I was going to do a restorative justice circle and write a letter of apology. To whom? To the dude? The trans student. To the, to the boy who was in the girls' locker room? Yes. You have to write and a letter of I apology. I said I would rather have a five-day suspension than have to apologize because I'm not sorry. How for old was... my opinion. Well, good, God, God bless you. How old was the boy? <laughs> Fourteen. Fourteen. Um, have, <laughs> what are you going to do? Are you going to continue with the school? Um, yeah, for now. It's all, it's all so unbelievable. It really is. Yeah. And it's only when people like you, Travis Allen and Blake Allen, take the lumps, stand up, tell the truth for just basic, basic human rights, like the right to change without some guy staring at you. It's only when you do that that things get better. So I appreciate that you both did and that you're willing to talk on this show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I want to go now to your lawyer, Tyson Langhofer, who serves at senior, senior counsel at Alliance Defending Freedom. Tyson, thanks for coming on. What is the case that you're making at the, on behalf of, of these two? Sure. Well, the school district, they retaliated against both Blake and Travis for just simply stating their views. 
And and First Amendment retaliation is 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 a uh, you know prohibited by the Constitution. I mean that's very clear that the government cannot retaliate against individuals simply for sharing their views. I mean the crazy thing about this, Tucker, is that. Uh, the, you know, Blake, Blake understands this issue. She doesn't need to be re-educated. Males are males, females are females. And Blake shouldn't be forced to, you know, change in front of a male or watch a male change. But that's what they're forcing her to do. And they're trying to force their ideology down everybody's throat and then punish anybody that, that has a different viewpoint. That's unconstitutional. Well, I thought they cared about girls, too. 14-year-old girls don't have a right to get dressed without a boy watching? I mean, is anyone standing up for girls? I mean, I'm hardly a feminist, but, but what? Where are all the feminist groups? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, and then that's the, that's the really sad thing is when a, when a father comes and says, hey, who's standing up for my daughter? He gets punished. He loses his job. He's suspended yeah. without pay for simply saying, hey, what about my daughter? You don't know. What well, the sad thing is, is all the other fathers who didn't do that, who are cowering like the cowards they are in their homes and letting this happen to their girls without fighting. It's great, me. It makes me care. feel. It makes me feel about this big. Yeah, that's how they feel when you misgender them. So now you have to know the feeling. Just get it right, and you won't have to get sprayed. Yeah, so here's what's going on. She is misgendering our partners, like my partner, my spouse, and then my sister's partner as well. Um, yeah, and she's on them for years and years. So uh, we tried telling her nicely, and now we're balance training. People wonder why we need a union at Starbucks, and I am literally about to quit. Like, I, I don't know if I'm going to do it, but, like, I really want to. I almost walked out today, and I'm crying in the back room right now, and I almost cried on the floor. It's just... I Like, I get... I'm, I'm like, a full-time student. I get scheduled for 25 hours a week, and on a weekend, they scheduled me the entire day, open to close. I'm on the schedule for eight and a half hours, both Saturday and Sunday. I'm like three and a half hours into my shift. There's so many customers, and we have four people on the floor all day. <laughs> Only five people were put on the schedule, and somebody had to call out. And there are four people running the whole store, and there's so many customers, and there's possibly scheduled five people. <laughs> We only have 13 people employed at this store, and there's so many customers. We don't have fair scheduling. Managers don't care about us. Our manager was supposed to come in this weekend, and he took himself off the schedule, so he wouldn't be able to be held accountable for calling out. He just literally tore down the schedule that he was scheduled on and put up a new schedule where he wasn't on the schedule. Also, he couldn't have even seen that he was scheduled in the first place because he didn't want to be held accountable for not wanting to come in. They don't want to help us. We need a union because this can't happen. This can't happen. We need fair scheduling. We need managers to hold themselves accountable for helping their workers. They refuse to turn mobile orders off. We need the liberty to be able to do that because there's so many mobile orders and I need to get through all of them. And then people are yelling at me because I don't have their orders ready. And they don't know what to do. <laughs> and a customer was misgendering me tonight, like really badly. I didn't have their order ready. And so they were just like, like talking to each other and they're like she's clearly incompetent i have a full mustache and beard <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> i don't get accommodations for being neurodivergent i don't <sighs> like i can't use like i people get mad at me for using my sick time i don't even know what to do anymore i'm like at my wits end with this job i really am <laughs> 
have to take it down. Who are, who are you touching our flags? You have no right to do this. You are directed to take it down. Well, the dean's office has requested. Has to take flags you're targeting us. So, why? Absolutely not. I have every right to record, and you know that. This is America. We have the First Amendment right of freedom of speech, freedom of expression. I don't know why you're taking my flags down. For, tell the dean. Call the dean. I want to speak to Adam. You were told you can go down and see the dean, so you can go ahead and do that. You're not going to tell anybody else anything. I told you, once you tell everyone else to remove it, then we'll consider it. But, like, why do you target us specifically? So, you support this? Specifically. This is, this is, you guys are targeting our, our, our property. I don't know you why you're doing the, this. The other flags back up. No, why are you touching Please my flags? Up. Did you pay for these flags? You were asked yeah. to take them down. Don't touch my flags. You were taking, you're going to pay for them? You're going to pay for them? You were asked to take them down. And you were told that they would be taken down. Are you guys from so are you going to take down the other flags everyone's being asked to take them down so well, they're being asked but we're but our flags are being ripped off right they're being asked but our flags are being ripped off you think that's right that's right you can go speak with the names i don't know who you are for all i know you're a stranger and you're ripping my flags off So what about that flag right there? Why aren't you guys taking that one first? I'm waiting to hear directors from our dean. The message is going to be going out. What do you mean you're waiting to hear from our dean? You just took our flags down. Okay. Excuse um, me. Excuse me. I'll, I'll take my flags. Thank They're you They're going to go much. to the dean's office. I'll take my flags. Do not touch me. I bought these. You're not um, taking my property. This is stealing. That's is stealing. I, I paid right for this. No, the college does not have the right to take my flags. Okay, this is mine. Okay. And that was ridiculous. This kind of goes along with the same subject that gentleman just brought up. Uh, in this school here, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I think, um, kind of uncomfortable to even say. This book, I'd really rather you not read something that's going to be what, pretty explicit. It's, but it's in, in the school. school. It's called Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. It's, it's in here. It's checked out right now. You can see online it's checked out now. Um, I'll just read a couple of things so people know. Somebody's child has this book checked out. Hey, Earl, I'm going to eat her pussy. Wait, what? Do you know how to mm -hmm. eat pussy? Mm -hmm. Papa Gaines never sat you down, son. One day you're going to have to eat the pussy. <clears throat> but now he did point, teach me how to eat pussy. We got that But this is all adults. If it's wrong I here, how's it? I think I got the point. I read you it's, it's called Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. And it's in this school check now. <laughs>
The gender binary is a direct result of European colonization. And if we look globally and historically throughout the world and the ways that people have existed and talked about gender, the idea of there only being two genders is a new concept that is directly linked to white supremacy. Hi kids! There's no such thing as a boy or a girl, and I can prove it. So gather around the family, the parents, everybody, answer my questions. You either say boys or girls. Who's usually taller? Oh, boys? Okay. But you've met some short boys, right? You've met some tall girls. So usually boys are taller, but not always. Okay. Who likes the color pink? <clears throat> girls? Okay, um, but you've met girls who don't like pink. And you met boys who do like pink, so usually girls like pink, but not always. Everything you can think of that makes a boy or makes a girl is usually, but not always. And some of them are not even usually. Where does that leave you? Free. You get to like what you like. You get to be who you are. Maybe. You're even like me, and you're not a boy or a girl. Hi, uh, Soyev Gallagher. I am a plastic and reconstructive surgeon with special interest in gender affirmation surgery. Okay, so we're going to talk about uh, a topic I get asked about a lot, and that is, do I have to have nipples? If I'm having top surgery, uh, do I have to have the nipples uh, put back on again? And the answer is absolutely not. Um, if uh, the nipples... Um, do nothing to affirm you or you want rid of them or whatever the reason would be uh, be it's a simpler surgery a shorter surgery it knocks about an hour after uh, off your surgery in order to uh, do uh, the reconstruction without nipples so um a couple of points to that however uh, i would say is um it can be difficult if we uh do the surgery and we get rid of the nipples um it, it certainly in the future if forever for whatever reason the patient did desire nipples in the future it can be um a reconstructed nipple never looks as good as um what uh we would make if we were using your own tissue in the first place y'all already know that i was dorothy for halloween yesterday but what you didn't know was that i had a second halloween costume planned and this one was going to be sexy because you all told me it was a rite of passage to be sexy i was going to be l woods in the playboy bunny outfit from legally blonde but the costume got lost in the mail. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. It's too upsetting. It's too upsetting to think about. And I went so far as to message my friend Noah, um, who owns What Wigs, an amazing wig company. And Noah sent me this blonde wig. It's real hair. So I think it would be so sad not to at least try the wig on. Um, so here we go. Do y'all remember that grandpa from the Six Flags commercial that was like, beep, 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 beep. Okay, back to the wig, back to the wig. Reveal in three, two, one. Okay, initial thoughts. What are the initial thoughts? I think I like it. I mean, look how cute, like, these would be. Do, do I look good as a blonde? Be honest. Tell me, what are, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a different shade that would work on me. I obviously didn't do this part right, but just for trying it on, I think it looks okay. Ooh. 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 Okay, good night. Love you. Love ya.
What were you feeling in the years leading up to that decision that you could not live your life as a as a, as a, as a woman you are? I was very bitter. I was very resentful. I didn't like being a woman. I didn't like being perceived as a woman. I absolutely despised my body and just I was under the impression that if I were to quote become a man that the problems and the self-hatred that I felt would disappear. And did it? I think I convinced myself for a couple of years that it did. Um, because I was a female taking testosterone, I got a lot more energy. I felt that I could do more, I was more motivated. So I did feel, if we were having this conversation in 2015, I would tell you that transition saved my life, because I believed that. But you can only pretend for so long, and all the problems that I was running from with transition were still there. And so even with cross-sex hormones, even with the surgery, I was still very, very much struggling with self-hatred. And I'm afraid that cutting your breasts off doesn't remove that. So as I'm speaking with you, I, I, can, I can hear that your voice has changed mm -hmm. or you have a deep voice. I don't know what you sounded like before. Mm -hmm. Can you outline the ways that you've been permanently physically changed? Mm -hmm. So with cross-sex hormones, some of the permanent changes would be, like you mentioned my voice, I've developed an Adam's apple. My vocal cords have thickened. I suffered some head hair loss. Um, lots of body hair growth. Um, taking the testosterone for as long as I did, which was just over four and a half years, has led to bladder problems. And obviously the surgery is irreversible, so I'm almost completely numb on my chest area. And you had your breasts removed? Yeah, I got a double mastectomy when I was 26. It's just hard to watch, and I know I play a lot of it, but that Mulvaney motherfucker, that last one with the poor girl trans regret, the grooming video, I mean, I, I pray sometimes you guys go and watch these, especially the Tucker segment. It is just painful. It is nothing but grooming. You're trying to make children believe something. Non-binary Romeo and Juliet set Nazi. Now they're upset because they didn't have any Jews. Gay AP scribe right-wing false claims are tainting the art of transgenderists. So, PBS? Oh, no, 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 no. Left-wing activist in Denver, Colorado hosting a drag kid show. And he shows more videos, one with grooming. So here's the PBS NewsHour. The recent headlines about disruptions of drag events and their portrayal as sexual and harmful children can obscure the art form in its rich history. Huh. I don't remember the rich history. I don't remember pregnant person shit. The fucking CDC changes flu guidance to pregnant women to pregnant people again. It's so bad. It's hard not to get emotional on some of this fucking shit. Kids getting the tucking and binding. I want you to think about if you have a penis and you ever got an erection with that penis 
and it was pointed the wrong way how much that would hurt. And we're telling prepubescent best and kids, I remember getting a boner by like seven, and it's tucked and binding and ruining the breast. They did a great article, I'm not going to read, The Rise of the Transgressives. It's, it's so trendy. The percentage show this is all manufactured. You're making something that shouldn't be. This sh- shouldn't be a thing for kids. If you're an adult, got it. Be you, man. But the ideas you're putting in kids are dangerous. How about that? Elizabeth Banks. Abortion is our society's insurance policy for easy sex. She's all for it. It's the morals that we lose. It's the morals. And then... Once again, now we're going after pets. CNN claims pets have big climate impact, advises buying smaller breeds feed them insect-based food a CNN climate piece, arguing that pets and their meat-heavy diet are major contributors to climate change was shared online this week. The piece offered ways that owners can reduce their beloved animal's carbon pawprint. It suggested pet owners reassess their pet's diet offering lab-grown meat and insect-based pet foods as a potential option for them. The article also recommended making sure that pet products, such as leashes, bags, toys and bowls, are recyclable and also advised that potential owners maybe adopt smaller breeds to minimize climate impact. Though the piece was written last month, the outlet shared the piece on Twitter Friday, causing a stir among users. To stay up to date with latest top stories, make sure to subscribe to this YouTube channel, by clicking the button above this video. The piece opened with the statement, Our four-legged friends don't drive gas-guzzling SUVs or use energy-sucking appliances, but that doesn't mean they don't have a climate impact. In fact, researchers have showed that pets play a significant role in the climate crisis. CNN pointed to the products we buy for them that contribute to the climate crisis, specifically their food. The article stated, Their meat-heavy diet is the biggest contributor to their carbon pawprints which requires an abundance of energy, land and water to produce, and the production of pet food emits huge amounts of planet warming gases. Citing a 2017 study, the outlet noted, feeding dogs and cats creates the equivalent of around 64 million tons of carbon dioxide in the U.S. each year. That's roughly the same impact as 13.6 million cars on the road. It added that if our furry friends formed a separate country, it would rank fifth in global meat consumption behind China the U.S., Brazil and Russia, according to UCLA professor and author of that study Gregory Aachen. Though bidding farewell to your best friends is not the answer, CNN said, owners just need to minimize their pets' environmental impact. One recommendation was to alter pets' diets. The piece described some new food developments on the market that are worth looking into, especially for dogs, including lab-grown meat. In addition to that, There are insect-based pet foods which are nutritionally complete, 
and are starting to come onto the market around the world. Another recommendation offered was making sure necessary items, including toys, bowls, litter, poop bags and leashes, can be recycled and are as environmentally friendly as possible. It also advised not buying wasteful accessories for pets, like costumes. Lastly, the article recommended potential owners to adopt smaller pets for a smaller carbon footprint. The general rule is that larger pets will have a larger climate impact than smaller ones, primarily because they need more food, so you might consider smaller breeds or species if you're aiming to minimize your impact on the planet. They just always gotta kill fun. I mean, that, that's their thing. They're about killing fun. Nobody can have fun. You're not supposed to have fun. Who the fuck are you to have fucking fun? That's how these people operate, and I... I just think it's fucking comedic half the time. It just really is. Greta Thunberg. Now she's for overthrowing capitalism. And then this this is once again we, we got we got the right. They're so dangerous. Here's a guy, and this is a common thing. I'm not to single this guy out, but this is a common thing on the left. Why do you own that vehicle? Why is it your fucking business if I own a fucking goddamn tank? What is it your business? None of it's your business. I do with what I do because I want to do that. If you don't like that, go fuck yourself. But yeah, we got to watch out for those goddamn poor, those fucking Republicans who, who question elections. God damn, they're, they're raking up the, it's so fucking divisive. It's so divisive. No, it's actually you. So let's do some fun shit. Going to have Taylor Lorenz, who's like 40 years old, and we're going to have Top Gun with cats. What is my thermostat set to? Yes, it is. It's set to 82 right now. I know I'm a weirdo. Everyone makes fun of me for this, including all of my friends and family. Um, I like it to be really hot. I have a metabolic condition, and I, I always joke that when climate change, you know, really takes its toll, I'm going to be the last one standing because it could be 105 degrees and I'm not too hot. Um, but that is a problem with my body. Um, okay. So let's see what else other people are. Everyone here is the best there is. Who the hell are they going to get to teach us? You two characters are going to Top Gun. With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. Just want to manage expectations. Our next section is a very important one, as you see me all decked up. This is bad luck to be wearing a windshirt, but I don't have a choice. But I got the fucking hat on. I got stickers everywhere. I would tattoo it if it would work. This weekend is a championship race in the Xfinity Series for my guy, Noah Gregson. And I want to play a good luck video of all his wins this year because I hope he gets number nine in the championship trophy. Ooh, the blood in my veins, oh, ooh. 
but they never did ever lived ever and flowing inhibited lived it till it broke up when it rained down it rained down like today he's gonna dust him in the desert noah gregson the man at phoenix Noah Gregson wins it at Talladega Super Speedway. It's Noah Gregson winning at Pocono. Here comes Noah Gregson. Creed cannot do it. And Gregson will win at Darlington. Noah Gregson wins at Bristol. But it's going to be four in a row. Noah Gregson does it. Gregson heading to the Cup Series in 2023. Wants to go out in style and win a championship. A win here at Miami is going to give him a shot with the championship board. Lastly, I want to touch it briefly with just one soundbite about how the media is freaking out about the case before the Supreme Court. And understand, I guess the best way to explain this, when I went in the Army in 1985, almost every one of my leaders was an African-American. They're highly competent African-Americans because they'd been through war. They'd fought in the Dominican Republic, Vietnam, some of them Korea, Vietnam. These motherfuckers were badasses, and they earned their job because they were the best for the job. By the time I left the military, African-Americans just show up on fucking drill sergeant duty as a signal wife, worked from nine to fucking four because she had to get her kids out of fucking daycare and get promoted to E7 because she was black and she actually passed drill sergeant school. I'm not making that up. That's a true fucking story. Meritocracy is what makes us good. I don't give a fuck if you're black. I don't give a fuck if you're a fucking gay, Martian, transgender, quadriplegic. If you're the best person that could fix my gallbladder, here's the scalpel, doc. I don't fucking care. I want the best doctors. But I'm going to play this segment. It's going to be a little long. It's going to be the media talking about it. And a little dad, I'm going to tailor down a Tucker segment. The numbers are fucking scary of what they're doing just because they're the racist. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. And this is America. Should race ever be a factor in college admissions? That's the question that has once again come before the Supreme Court. But this time, it's a court with an energized conservative majority that's already shown it's ready and willing to overturn decades of precedent and settled law. A conservative activist group of students and parents has sued Harvard University and the University of North Carolina, alleging that the way these schools uh, decide who gets in violates the Constitution and federal civil rights law unfairly discriminates against white and Asian American students. The schools say uh, that they take a holistic view of applicants and their decisions on admissions use race as one factor among many, not to set quotas, but rather to achieve the educational benefits that can come with a diverse student body. In this case, it comes before the most diverse Supreme Court in our history. Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson has already shown as the second 
black person on the Supreme Court, the first black woman on the court, that she is keen to engage on these difficult issues in a very different way from Justice Clarence Thomas. But the real question here, the only question, is how far will that conservative majority go? Will they sharply limit affirmative action or outlaw it in college admissions altogether? This is a high-stakes, high-profile day for the Supreme Court this term. Affirmative action at Harvard and the University of North Carolina. Both schools say they use race as one component of a holistic look at students' applications, and they believe that that brings about a diverse campus that benefits everyone on their school campuses. But a conservative group that represents Asian American and white students says that the use of race violates federal law and constitutional rights where race cannot be used to discriminate against a group for individual educational benefits. And this is a case, of course, that's attracted a lot of attention. And separately, nine states have already passed their own state laws saying that affirmative action cannot be used in college admissions. Savannah? Kelly, obviously this is an ideologically conservative court. The fact that the court took these two cases, many legal observers suggest that may mean it is ready to strike down affirmative action. That is the sense, Savannah. This is a supermajority, six conservatives, three liberal justices on the court. And because the lower court had upheld affirmative action in college admissions, there is a sense that these justices want to look at that issue and elevate people on the basis of their appearance. You tend not to get very impressive people. Why would you? Unless you're buying sunscreen, skin tone is a totally irrelevant criterion. Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor unwittingly made that point today. Sotomayor openly concedes that she got her job because of affirmative action. She was completely and demonstrably unqualified for the position. Obama chose her because of the way she looked. Now, that may sound deranged, but it actually happened. No one disputes it. Today, we saw the consequences of this. During oral arguments, Sotomayor made a mistake that no first-year law student would ever make. She repeatedly confused the terms de facto and de jure. Now, if you're a lawyer, that is an inconceivable mistake. It's like your local service station confusing gasoline with diesel fuel. It doesn't happen because the terms have entirely different meanings. De facto means something that's not in the law but happens anyway. De jure means something that is happening that is sanctioned by the law. See the distinction? Of course you do. And you're not even a Supreme Court justice. But Sonia Sotomayor doesn't see it. Watch. So even if we have de jure discrimination now or segregation now, Congress can't look at that? Because we certainly have de jure segregation. The races are treated very differently in our society in terms of their access to opportunity. We have racial segregation under the law in America? That's what Justice Sonia Sotomayor just said. Why is this one wearing a robe? Even after Justice Alito corrected her, Sotomayor kept saying it. There's de jure segregation, or she said de jure segregation in 2022. Jim Crow is still on the books. Okay, this is the society that affirmative action has created. Sonia Sotomayor doesn't know what de jure means. Kentaji Brown-Jackson can't define what a woman is. It's hard to imagine a more damning case against affirmative action than its results. And it's always going to be that way because the color of your skin is irrelevant. And if we don't believe that, then everything falls apart. So as the arguments went on, the case against affirmative action somehow got stronger. Watch this exchange between Brett Kavanaugh and a state solicitor general. 
How are uh, applicants from Middle Eastern countries classified, from Jordan, Iraq, Iran, uh, Egypt, and the like? My understanding is that uh, just like uh, other situations uh, where they might not fit within the particular boxes on the common application, that we rely on self-reporting and we would ask, uh, you know, they can volunteer uh, they, their particular country of origin. But if they honestly check one of the boxes, which one are they supposed to check? I, I don't, do not know the answer to that question. So just to remind you something you already know, but probably never think about, the U.S. government collects data on people's races. Now, in a society where we're all equal as citizens under the law, why would they do that? That's what the Nazis did. So we're against keeping track of people on the basis of race, aren't we? And with so much at stake, how do we determine someone's race? How long before we're taking blood tests or measuring the shape of people's heads? It's been done before. It happens in other countries to this day. It's really dark and disgusting. So the question in that exchange was, what box do the Middle Easterners check? Oh, no idea. But of course, everyone knows the answer. If you want to get into competitive school, the best bet for those Middle Easterners would be to identify as black. And studies prove it. According to a 2009 study by Princeton sociologist Tom and Espenshade, selective schools currently boost black applicants to the point that whites are penalized 310 points on the SAT for being white. Asians are penalized 450 points for being Asian. Talk about systemic racism. How is that allowed in this country? Well, good question. And if anything, this systemic racism, and that's exactly what it is, it's racism at the systemic level, has intensified over the past decade, in case you haven't noticed. In 2020, a trial court found that at Harvard, skin color was determinative in admissions for more than half of all admitted African-American applicants and roughly one-third of Hispanic applicants. How patronizing, by the way, to them. Look at this chart. It shows the average SAT score for admitted students by race at Harvard from 2000 to 2017. It's almost unbelievable how different the standards are. And this is happening, of course, not simply at Harvard, not simply at other schools, but all over the entire society. A few years ago, a senior fellow at AEI called Mark Perry found that black and Hispanic students were heavily favored for admission into medical schools. Black students who had below average test scores were seven times more likely to be accepted into medical school compared to white students with similar below average scores. And they were nine times more likely when compared to Asian students with similar scores. That's medical school. In the end, you will have bad doctors, not because African-American students make bad doctors, but because the process of picking people on the basis of irrelevant criteria, like their skin tone, is insane. It has nothing to do with medicine at all. In fact, the practice itself discredits the medical schools that engage in it because it's so anti-science. This should make you uneasy. But wait, it gets worse. Here's an exchange from today. Clarence Thomas asked the Solicitor General what the educational benefits of affirmative action might be. Here's the response. So the most concrete possible uh, scenario is, is stock trading. And there are studies that find that racially diverse groups of people making trading decisions perform at a higher level, make more efficient trading decisions. And the mechanism there uh, is that it reduces groupthink and people have longer and more sustained disagreement. And that leads to a more efficient outcome. Well, I guess I don't put much stock in that because I've heard similar arguments in favor of segregation too. So, <laughs> racial quotas decrease groupthink? 
and allow for a diversity of viewpoint? Really, you live in a society that is defined by racial quotas. Is there more or less groupthink than there was when you were a kid? Is there a greater or smaller diversity of views than there used to be? It's, it's insane. But the point is, to Clarence Thomas, it sounded very familiar. Quote, I've heard similar arguments in favor of segregation, too, said Thomas, who grew up under Jim Crow in Georgia. Not surprising, because all racist arguments sound the same, because fundamentally, they are the same. Give me this because of how I was born. It was wrong then. It's every bit as wrong now. The difference is we no longer acknowledge the victims of it, and most are too ashamed to say a word. But millions of them exist by definition. There are people like Caitlin Younger, who's a middle-class white girl from Texas with no family connections or special advantages. All she had was hard work and intelligence. She scored a near-perfect 1550 on the SAT. Apparently, she thought the system was fair enough to acknowledge her achievement. She was told, work hard, do the right thing, and you'll be rewarded. Oh, but she wasn't, and we know why. She was turned down from every selective college she applied to because of her skin color. How do you feel about that? How do liberals feel about that? Does anyone really want to live in a country like that? Well, if you do, Kristen Clark does. Clark runs the so-called civil rights division at DOJ. Clark didn't get the job because she cares about civil rights. <laughs> no, she was hired because she opposes civil rights and she has her entire public life. In 2020, she's also imbalanced, Clark declared publicly that her political opponents should be killed. In response to a video of people chanting fire Fauci, here's what she wrote. We're quoting head of the civil rights division. These people should be publicly identified and named, barred from treatment at any public hospital if and when they fall ill and denied coverage under their insurance. Oh, just genocide them. OK, that was her solution. So affirmative action allows lunatics with violent fantasies like Kristen Clark to ascend to power. And they can do that because as they become more powerful, they continue to claim that they are victims. But they're not victims. Kristen Clark went to private school before she went to college. Of course, she's a product of privilege. What's interesting is that even as they tell you affirmative action is our single most important social policy, you're not allowed to single out any individual person who's benefited from it. Oh, it's great, but you can't say you got your job because of it. And of course, it's totally not allowed to point out that people like Kristen Clark are unqualified for the jobs they hold. It's an insult to protected groups. But how are those protected groups doing? Are they benefiting from generations of affirmative action? Oh, no, they're not. The kids of doctors are benefiting from affirmative action. And we know that. SAT results for black high school students are still abysmal. No one's helping them. 25% of Asian high schoolers in Michigan, for example, scored above a 1,400 last year in the SAT. What percentage of black kids did? Zero. So how are they being helped? Well, they're not being helped. Again, the children of nonprofit executives and doctors and network news anchors and Barack Obama, they're all benefiting. But the people who need it are getting no benefit whatsoever. In fact, they're being completely ignored. This is nonsensical, it's immoral, and it's ridiculous. And so, not surprisingly, the arguments we're hearing in favor of it today. According to Scientific American, for example, science compels a racial spoil system. This is real. Quote, the Supreme Court could destroy affirmative action in higher education and STEM professionals, science, must stand against the white supremacy and scientific racism that fuels arguments against it. So you're a white supremacist if you're against racial discrimination. Okay. Now, in a normal world, you would just dismiss that out of hand because it's deranged. It's the opposite of the truth. You are not a racist for arguing on behalf of a colorblind society. You are a good person arguing against bad people. In fact, arguing against racists. But they've inverted that and successfully cowed people into silence. 
So Joe Biden's Solicitor General, the former Miss Idaho he hired, argued today that affirmative action is somehow vital for national security too. Watch. Our armed forces know from hard experience that when we do not have a diverse officer corps that is broadly reflective of a diverse fighting force, our strength and cohesion and military readiness suffer. So it is a critical national security imperative to attain diversity within the officer corps. And at present, it's not possible to achieve that diversity without race-conscious admissions, including at the nation's service academies. The military experience confirms what this court recognized in Grutter, that in a society where race unfortunately still matters in countless ways, achieving diversity can sometimes require conscious acts by our leading educational institutions. Okay, so does she know anything about the subject, Ms. Idaho? Do you? Do you? No, she doesn't. The U.S. military was the single most impressive institution in American life for generations precisely because it was meritocratic, because people advanced on the basis of individual effort and not on the basis of group interest. It has been completely corrupted in the most recent generation, and that corruption has accelerated under Joe Biden. And the result of that, well, the army. I played that interlude to get the numbers that are in there to show you how unqualified people are, how the, the ACT tests and SATs don't mean anything that the fucking T-SAC or whatever the fuck he said for fucking doctors don't mean it's just all about your skin color. Because I think the Sotomayor thing is very important. Sotomayor was brought on to the Supreme Court, and she doesn't know basic jargon, but it didn't matter because she was a Latino woman with a vagina. That's all I fucking wanted. It was checking a block. You got the Jackson chick who can't even tell you what the fuck a woman is. Yeah. So it is important. We should not care what somebody looks for. Do people need assistance to go to college? Yes. But if you have to go to college and take rudimentary classes for the first two years because you didn't even fucking really pass high school, why the fuck are we making you a doctor? Because your skin is black and you suck dick as a male, I don't care, but I don't want you to be my pilot if you barely skated through the pilot course. It goes back to me. I am broke dick. I was offered a job I really wanted. I turned it down because it wasn't right to the institution. It wasn't right to my fucking self. I can't do the job. I'm not healthy yet. So why take a job that I wasn't going to be able to show up full time? So before I talk about me, here's Joe Rogan. I had to get this last one in. The red wave that's coming is going to be like the elevator doors opening up in The Shining. <laughs> that's I hope that's what happens. Not because I'm a Republican, not because they think they're going to do great things. They don't have a fucking plan. We just got to stop the stupid. We got to stop this leftward fucking plunge into fucking stupid shit. Because once again, everything we joked about in 2016 is policy. It was just a joke. I made fun of it. I played circus music behind it. Now we're making little kids do it. That's got to stop. So, to the medical thing, really quick. Um, I burned the fuck in Monday so fucking bad, I went to the emergency room where I stayed for six hours, and I got a treatment where they jacked my system with some serious fucking drugs that let me sleep for 10 hours 
Monday night and yesterday I was a little better. I have a little burning, but it's not as bad. And I got a doctor's appointment with the general and I'm probably going to get a surgery and yank my gallbladder and retie up my stomach because my intestines are all out of whack. And that's pretty much why I'm sick all the time. Simultaneously, they're checking me for infections. I still come up as a positive. But as you could tell by me talking right now, I'm highly more animated. Had a great walk this morning. I walked 10 minutes faster than I usually do. But I feel much better. It's just taken nine months to get there because they don't have a fucking clue. And because they're overwhelmed, they don't look at the case. But I got lucky and I got one guy that finally looked at the case and I got an emergency room doctor who remembered me from a month ago and goes, you know what? I'm doing this. So he jacked me with 500 milliliters of Benadryl, 250 milliliters of some kind of fucking muscle relaxant. And I went home and I didn't have burn. I didn't have inflammation. And now I'm treating it with Benadryl, uh, Donatella, which is a barbiturate, and my Percocet. It's that much pain. Because something is wrong here and something is wrong here, which makes everything shift. And then you're trying to treat it with antacids and then you inflame this and then you're just fucked. It doesn't matter what you eat. doesn't matter what you drink. You're just screwed. Um, it's, uh, it's just nice for a couple days. I'm not going to say it's going to last. Tonight I'm going to sleep in bed for the first time. Um, that'll be a journey. I've been sleeping in an easy chair. It'll be kind of nice. But... Uh, I hope the trend stays. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share this with your family and friends. Go to floppodcast.com. Flop. How about floppodcast.com where you can find links to everything and see all 636 previous episodes. Make sure you disconnect from your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. Do me two favors. Number one, root for Noah Gregson. If you don't cover NASCAR, the kid deserves it. He's a great guy. Um, and number two... Root for more Oregon Ducks. Man, they, they made a good journey back. They're, get, they're getting there. I'm not going to talk about the Packers. I knew this year was going to be bad, so I didn't do my usual pre-football analysis because I knew we were going to analyze as a suckton because we gave all our money to fucking Rodgers, and that's exactly what happened to the Indianapolis Coats, if you remember. They still haven't fucking recovered. They're still fucked up. So make sure you get out and vote. I already did, did my early voting. We're going to go with a Saturday 5 November Year of Our Lord 2022 podcast. Until then, I thank you all for listening and you take care.